Do you want to feel strong, confident, and ready to enjoy life? I'm Jen Shaver, a triple certified fitness expert and mother living her best midlife. I want to help you achieve a healthy, active lifestyle without ever having to go to the gym. We grow together every Monday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in to your weekly fit news. This episode of Fit News is sponsored by... Make wellness a priority in your life. Women's bodies face changes and fluctuations in hormones as they go through the cycle of menopause. Strong for Life offers an exercise program to help you invest in your future and health without crazy routines. We deliver the results you deserve from your time and effort. Go to strongforlifefitness.com to learn more. Now back to our show. Hello, and welcome to Fit News. I am your host, Jen Shaver, and joining me today is Lori Bilovesky. Originally from upstate New York, Lori moved to Ohio after college in 1996. After adjusting to life as an adult, Lori took it into her own hands to improve her health after a high blood pressure diagnosis in 2009. Weighing in at 190 pounds, Lori started training for her first half marathon by joining Marathoners in Training through Fleet Feet Sports, and she walked the October 2009 Columbus Half Marathon, finishing in a time of 3.15. Lori was hooked and continued to walk with MIT, eventually beginning to run. Along the way, Lori lost weight, was able to stop the medication for high blood pressure, and fell in love with every aspect of being fit and healthy. Fast forward to July of 2023, another health challenge presented itself. Early stage breast cancer. Lori underwent bilateral mastectomy, radiation, ophorectomy, and reconstruction surgery in a span of about eight months. Keeping active was important, and two weeks before her mastectomy, Lori completed her fourth ride with Pelotonia. Lori continued to train with the plan to run the half marathon at Columbus during her radiation treatments. With seven of 25 radiation therapies complete, she finished alongside her friends in 2.30. Her journey continues as she plans to ride Pelotonia again this summer and complete two more half marathons at least before the end of the year to bring her total to 67 half marathons, 10 full marathons, 350Ks. Lori's story and her message are one that I wanted my listeners to hear as one in eight will be diagnosed with breast cancer. So there is a likelihood that you or someone you know will be affected by this disease. Lori, thank you for joining us today to share your story, your journey, and all that you have to share with us today. Look forward to chatting. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, quick note, you said July of 2023. Instead of yes. July 2022. Uh, I was diagnosed last year. Yes. I just want to give yes. you a quick note for editing purposes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yes, thank you for having me. I am really excited about being here. Yeah. So happy to have you. Um, so tell us the role that, I mean, I know your journey started uh, in 2009 in terms of your health and your fitness. So what was it like before then? In terms yeah. of where did health and where did fitness and um, and a healthy lifestyle fall before your diagnosis? Mm -hmm. And then how did that change? That's a great question. So prior 
to uh, basically getting out of college, I was not a very active person, spent my 20s at a desk because, you know, you get out of college, you learn that you get a job, you sit at a desk, you drink Mountain Dew, you do whatever you have to do from a caffeine perspective to get you through. And I just, I wasn't raised with the mindset of activity first. My parents both were smokers. Uh Um, My mother is still overweight to this day. She was overweight as a, when she was pregnant for both her pregnancies, you know, she's just been consistently overweight Mm -hmm. and never really shared that, you know, she didn't go walking, she didn't go running, she didn't do any of that stuff. My father flew model airplanes. That was his activity. That's not exercise either. So I never really got a healthy start from my parents. Mm-hmm. So in my 20s, that's what I thought you did. You get a job, you go sit at a desk, you work for a little while, you go home, you sit in front of the TV, watch TV, eat crap. Um, and right around when my husband and I were turning 30s, we're about seven months apart in age. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both did the South Beach diet and lost mm-hmm. weight. And of course, South Beach is not a very sustainable. He actually did South Beach with a little bit of that Atkins thing because he likes meat uh-huh. a lot. Uh-huh. So he did that. I did South Beach. I We lost weight together at that point because I did not want him to lose weight without me. <laughs> I didn't want to be the fat one when he was getting skinny. Um, so that's not sustainable, as everybody knows. I did do a lot of workout. I went to the gym for the first time in my adult life and worked out there. I did some some movement on the treadmill. I've had a trainer at that gym. It's been a long time, so that's hazy. Right. Um, and the lifestyle of South Beach is not continuous unless you're smart because you add back in your carbs, you add back in all the other stuff. It tells you tells you to take out. And I we both started putting back on weight when we got lazy. Yeah. So that's why I wasn't surprised I had gained weight again and had high blood pressure by 35. So my wow. activity was very minimal, truthfully. Mm-hmm. I, I think we spent... We've talked about it. We spent a lot of time at Dave and Buster's on the weekends. Like we would go there and play video games, but that's again, not activity. So (laughs) um, we were trying to figure out what you're supposed to do in your twenties and thirties. And as an adult, and for me, my examples were just not there. Yeah. So I had to create my own. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when you found marathoners in training. Yes. I had a um, colleague of mine that I was working with, like our cubicles were across from each other. And I went and spectated for her. And I can't remember if it was Cap City or the Columbus Marathon, but it was one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I spectated for her. It had to be Columbus because she ran a marathon. And I remember watching her on Lane Avenue go by. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, and when she was done <laughs> with it, she had kicked butt. She's a couple years younger than me. She had kicked butt. And I said, if you were me and wanted to get into like trying to do something like this, I don't think I can do a full, but I'd want to do maybe a half marathon. Yeah. What would you recommend? And gosh, she recommended marathoners and trainer the training and said, I didn't do that program, but I've heard wonderful things about it. Yeah. So we, I took her advice. I looked it up. I signed up in um, June of 20, uh, 2009. Uh-huh. Um, and I showed up the first time I showed up, I knew absolutely no one. And we were huge in 2009. Like yeah. there would be this huge crowd at Thomas Worthington high school and finding your way and finding the people were, it was really tough back then. Yeah. Um, but it ended up working out really well because they found the walking group because that's what I had decided. I didn't think that I was ready to start just right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. Um, so I started walking. I hadn't even done a 5k at that point. Yeah. So never in my life had done a 5k, hadn't done 10k, hadn't done any of it. So you were ready for, to jump right in. <laughs> I, did, I made a plan of couch to half marathon. I was going to do a 5k. Um, it, we have one in our neighborhood every year, firecracker yeah. trot. Cause I live in Worthington Hills mm-hmm. and they, 
that I was unfortunately derailed from doing my first 5k because my father got sick that same day and had had a stroke. Um, And so I had to leave leave town. And that same friend ran for me. So to this day, she had just found out that day she was pregnant. To this day, if I look up my best, my times, I can find a 5k time that was like 22 minutes. But she was like, ah, I'm pregnant, like sprinted through my neighborhood. So, um, but, and I don't claim it. I like the results doesn't show up in athletes because I'm like, that's not me. I know it's not me. And now I know how bad it is to let someone run on your bit, but whatever. <laughs> right. I just wanted someone to do it because I, I felt right. like it should be offered to yeah. right. part of it. Oh, gosh. But, yeah. So it's, it was definitely uh, a change right there. Um, mm-hmm. Having my father have a health related issue start at that age. He was uh, just turned 60 a week before. Wow. Yeah. He was young. Yeah. Um, Very. So that would definitely be even more motivation, even though you had already started, but it was motivation to why I need to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember one of my most coherent conversations with him before, before it all happened, Mm -hmm. like celebrating his birthday, we talked about that I had gotten that diagnosis and that I was making this effort and I was going to start walking. And he was supportive, Mm -hmm. even though this was not something he was interested in. He would go and walk, you know, just Mm -hmm. like anybody else. So he'd go out and walk on the board or boardwalk or whatever. He lived in Rochester, New York. So he was active. He just wasn't active, active, if that makes sense, like I am. Mm -hmm. But he encouraged it, which was really nice to hear at that point. And I, I have written a couple of times, like in my, I have some notes about all that time period. I had said a couple of things like, it's too bad we didn't know he was the sickest one because he complained about other family members and the issues they were having, but we mm-hmm. didn't know he was the sickest one. And his parents that were in their 80s were still alive at that point, And they okay. both died in their 90s. Wow. So, like he could have done so much better. Right. Um, but unfortunately, he passed away nine months after he had his strokes, just a litany of things in between. Wow. So he was 60 years old when he passed away. Yes. April 13th of 2010. Wow. Yeah. That is that is young. Mm-hmm. Way too young. And yeah. there's a lot of life to live. Like as I'm getting right. closer and closer to that age, I'm like 60 yeah. year olds. I, I sat next to a 60 year old last night who looked seriously like 42. I'm like, she's yeah. no way there. She, she's 60. But yeah. it's just such a young age. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So just another reason on why we need to work on that preventative care and doing all that we can to prevent, you know, disease, not to say that everything is preventable, correct? Right. Right. (laughs) Right? Exactly. Well, Um, and with him, he was a 42 year smoker, um, eating processed foods. I mean, when we cleaned out his kitchen, it was very sad. But mm-hmm. it was also what he could afford. And that's another whole like story yeah. of life. But it's what he could afford. It made sense, but it's not, it didn't help his health. He right. was thin. If you looked at my dad compared to my mom, mm-hmm. he was thin, mm-hmm. but he didn't, it didn't help. Yeah. So, yeah. Thin doesn't mean healthy. I've learned that. Right. Bit. Right. Right. Because yeah. uh, the effect of what you're putting in your body on mm-hmm. your heart and, you know, your other, your gut. Yeah makes makes a big difference in your overall health yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely totally unexpected but um and one of the things about his parents they both were cancer survivors too so wow yeah so the fact that they lived into their 90s is in that time frame because they were both born in the 20s so that time frame it's like wow you know they i'm sure that and i know it was a very hard situation for them so yeah yeah, yeah, that is amazing that they were able to survive cancer 
mm-hmm. and get to their nineties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell us about a little bit more about your, um, let's talk about Pelotonia first. Okay. So let's, um, how did you get started there? Um, and what is your mission there? Sure. Um, I, from a cancer fundraising perspective, I've been raising money for American Cancer Society first, starting back in 2007. And I thought I stopped around 2009, but it looks like it was about 2013. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I stopped is because I was the chair for Relay for Life of Worthington. Mm-hmm. And um, Relay for Life gradually became something that was just too difficult in this size of a city. Right. We had multiple cities doing it, etc. Um, So, but I spent several years being the chair for that event and seeing it be successful. And I think one year our goal was 30,000 and we did 35,000. So I've spent my time just because of family history on cancer of going through with the fundraising, et cetera. I was always scared of Pelotonia and I'll say scared because that fundraising goal is usually mine is 1500 for this year. That fundraising goal is scary. You're Mm -hmm. like, I don't have a business that I work for that will match that donation or et cetera. So I was scared right. for a couple of years. Um, so I volunteered for them. Actually, just one year, I volunteered for like the packet pickup for all the riders and the energy and the c- celebration. And when survivors would walk up, they they cheer them on. And we gave, you know, just mm-hmm. so much of a community. And the fact that you could visibly see 100% goes back to mm-hmm. research and is making a huge difference between um, what they do here locally and nationally as well, because a lot of their research gets picked up nationally. And okay. um, I thought it was a good spot for me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to start writing, actually joined, I, I had two friends that um, were huge into it. And I stopped them at MIT and I knew them from MIT and I stopped them and I said, I'm, I'm wanting to ride. Um, I'm really scared about signing up. What do you guys think? And they're like, you're, you're coming with us. So this was 2019. I just started riding with them. We were, we rode all summer long. We had a bike accident together, even that summer, first summer, we had a bike accident before my first Pelotonia that landed me in an emergency room, but, and I had a concussion and a black eye and a broken cheekbone, but I was okay. (laughs) But I still got on my bike and rode after I was cleared to go ahead and ride. Because it it means so much to me. I mean, my just yeah. not just my grandparents. All four of my grandparents had cancer, wow. um, and and two out of four passed away from their cancers. Okay. And then when I start making a list, it's probably 60, 70 people. It feels like if I start really thinking about friends, family, names I've been given over the years. Right. It's like Relay for Life. We always had names of people that we're celebrating or honoring, right? Uh, memory and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So there's just so many people, people from my fundraising from ACS too. So there's just been so unfortunately too many ways that cancer has uh, touched my life that it means a lot to me to raise the money. So I Mm -hmm. continue to do it. So 2019 and I'll be writing again this fall. Wonderful. Or Uh, August rather. (laughs) I always forget when it is. Yeah. And how has, um, how has exercise helped you in your journey through your own cancer? Oh gosh, the stress relief has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was the biggest thing. So I I started the process of my diagnosis on July 6th. Okay. Um, I had my annual screening mammogram. I yeah. will admit up until like a few months before, it was like March, May, April timeframe. I started feeling something. Okay. I would feel like little, I explained it as twinges in my breast. I would, mm-hmm. it was the right side. That's why I keep putting my hand over that side. But <laughs> I feel little twinges in my breast and I was like, okay, you know, I need to make that annual appointment. They don't usually Mm -hmm. call you 
and your annual appointment has to be scheduled right, right around when your usual one is. Right. So I, I did do it right around the time. It's usually end of June, early July mm -hmm. that I had done it. Um, I was one who had done a baseline mammogram at 35. Right. Because uh, my grandmother on my father's side had breast cancer. So okay. when my gynecologist at that time brought it up, I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then right before my 40th birthday, because I'm a November birthday. So I was 39 when I, but because of the timing of the year, I was 39 when I had my second one. Mm -hmm. And that second one, I had microcalcifications that they saw on my left breast. We biopsied, things were negative. So life continued just having annual mammograms. Right. Um, I had dense breast tissue. I would get that result every time. Mm -hmm. I never felt a lump in my breast, but I just knew something was different. Yeah. Uh, my running had changed a little bit, I'll admit, um, throughout that year, like starting in like February and March, I kept noticing that I was maybe going a little bit slower or just feeling a little bit different, but yeah. I didn't know what it was because it right. didn't, it didn't, it wasn't my leg. It wasn't an ankle. It wasn't anything. It just felt different. Yeah. Um, and when I went ahead and had that mammogram on July 6th, it came back suspicious and I immediately knew. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. I just knew mm -hmm. um, ultrasound followed after that, where we did see see the tumors. And um, <laughs> I think I mentioned in my interview with you, the ultrasound tech kind of high five the radiation doctor about all of it because they were like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, good catch. Oh, because and it's a good catch because it's early stage. But right. but yeah, high five over the I patient's even... boobs. <laughs> yeah, no. So, oh boy. but yeah, so it, it definitely was um, a challenging time, mm -hmm. but throughout all of it, not only have I made so many friends in my running community that supported me throughout so much of it, right. also just, I went back to MIT um, that Saturday after the first, that mammogram, mm -hmm. I ran, I ran Dash for Donation 5K because we oh, set yeah. up a team every year for Dash for Donation right. for one of our runners, Team right. Superman. And so we do that every year and that, that was actually the best thing I could have done because yeah. it was like, Hey, I'm with my people and, you know, they don't know anything's going on. I don't have to tell anybody, but I can just right. run. And it was, that was really a very big help. Like yeah. just continuing that, that running pattern and going to MIT. I was a pace coach. I'm still a pace coach for them mm -hmm. now. And so being able to be with my group, I was honest with them and open once we knew the diagnosis. Right. Um, one of the first people I actually told about the diagnosis is a walker who was my first coach at MIT who had just gone through her own breast cancer experience and was still finishing it. Yeah. And she was one of the first people I went to just because she had been so open with everybody else. Yeah. I had a feeling she would support me pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I had her on my team as well as far as support um, besides Obviously, like a lot of the friends I've made through MIT. Right, right. And, and I and I would venture to say that having your body physically ready mm. to tackle the struggles that you had to was also um, a help. Absolutely. Yeah, it really has <clears throat> been a change, a big, big difference for me. So I've been really consistent with doing core work. I use um, this last year or two, I've been using Peloton and doing a lot of um, biking through Peloton and doing all the extra exercise and stuff like that. I do right. core classes. So I have spent a lot of time over the last several years with, you know, personal training and then I mm -hmm. was doing yoga and all of the stuff. So, and I kept it up because I love it. I, I miss right. it if I don't have it in my life. So, right. Right. Besides the people, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is something about um the running community that is um is very special. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had no idea. 
Yeah. I really didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. I've, I've been glad because I, I don't think that some of the closest people to me right now that were the people we notified after surgeries that I had were people that I didn't know when right. I joined MIT 14 years ago and probably would yeah. never have met if I hadn't joined MIT. Yeah. Yeah. And it also shows the importance of not skipping a year, right? I know many women yeah. might be like, it's been because yours was normal for many years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so I had was... you decided to skip even just one year. Yeah. It could have been much different. Right yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. when I met with my gynecologist, cause right after diagnosis, I had to see my gynecologist as well. When I met with her, um, her very first thing was like, Lori, this was not on anything that we looked at. She goes, I, before this appointment with you, cause she knew I, I met her through MIT, of course, and so yeah. <laughs> a personal friend as well. So I had messaged her about it. And of course, she got the notice about my diagnosis and she right. orders the mammograms. But she literally was like, not there. We never yeah. saw anything. And the dense tissue that I had was on the right side. There, there was a big bunch on the right side. So it's just it wasn't visible. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the, one of the things I go back and think about is knowing that I had dense breast tissue could I have said, hey, can I have an ultrasound in 2021? Would that have made a difference? I don't know. We really do think it grew between. Yeah. So yeah, we, there's no way to know. There really no. isn't. And no. thankfully, I was early stage. Right. Which is, again, the importance of going yearly year. because we know, mm -hmm. especially uh, that most breast cancer is found in women 50 and older. And I believe right. it's about 4% is is the younger, is uh, 40 and younger. Yeah. Um so, you know, don't skip that, you know, just because you have don't have anything on the radar at the moment mm -hmm. doesn't give you the clear to say, uh, yeah. And I would also say, year, right, because yeah. what's one year in your case could could have made a huge. Yeah. 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 And I, I would also say too, women know their bodies best. Mm -hmm. And if your gynecologist oh, yeah. says, maybe you should get this checked out in your 30, go. Right. So I recently had a colleague at work who's 29 and she's diagnosed triple negative breast cancer. So super yeah. young, mm -hmm. super healthy, super fit, super everything. And, you know, and I don't know her whole story because I only know the part of diagnosis after, but right. Yeah. So it is definitely something every single woman, like we know our bodies best. And if right. you are at that, I've learned a lot since mine, like if you're at that mammogram and they think they're, they show you this suspicious on a, paper, you know, you yeah. get a report and you don't call in and say, Hey, when is my next appointment? Mm -hmm. You know, you can push and ask for all these ultrasounds and testing. And yeah. actually, I don't, I'm sure you probably are aware, but um, ultrasounds in the state of Ohio for people with fibrous breast tissue is now okay. And covered yeah. by insurances. Like it was just recently signed into law by DeWine. I think it was in January. Oh, that's good so, to know. Yeah. There was a house bill on it. Um, for dense breast tissue, didn't okay. even know about it until after yeah. my diagnosis, but that in health and that insurances need to cover it in the state okay. of Ohio. If a patient has dense breast tissue, ultrasound needs to be covered. Okay, so. good to know. So push for that one, ladies, if, mm -hmm. you know, if there's anything that you suspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good to know. So. Um, let's talk a little bit more. We, we I mean, we've, we've covered a lot about the um, importance of uh, your physical fitness, um, yes. in terms of, you know, how it has helped you to recover faster. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and also how it has helped you mentally absolutely push through all of this, but you're a busy lady. Yeah. Right. I am. Yeah. Um, how do you make time to work out when there is no time? I am a morning worker, worker outer. Is that the mm-hmm. word? A word? <laughs> yeah, it is now on the Fit News podcast. Morning worker outer is the new word. <laughs> you heard uh, it here first. <laughs> right. I, it was funny because I, to this day, my mom still doesn't believe me that I get up at four o'clock or four 30 in the morning and, and start my day and start and do my workout and my exercise. Cause I was that kid. I was in bed yeah. till 10 o'clock or whatever. Right. Uh, but um, I, about gosh, three or four years ago, I adopted that because it was easier to get it in before I had work. Mm-hmm. Or if I was traveling, I can remember one time getting up at three o'clock in the morning because I had a flight to catch. So I went out for my run and got on my flight later. That was at eight o'clock. I think I can't remember yeah. what the timing was, but I know yeah. like it, it just for me, the motivation of doing a race well and doing mm-hmm. the things that I wanted to do well mm-hmm. is what got me out of bed every day. Yeah. Um, I found after my mastectomy, my first surgery, I found that um, my recovery period, it was harder to convince myself to get up mm-hmm. at those early hours. And then eventually it came back. Yeah. Um, like I was, I go to, for example, I got a November project on Wednesday mornings. It's at 5 15 in the morning. And one of I don't understand. There's two sessions and one's at 6.15. I'm like, I don't know how you can do a 6.15, 5.15, then I could be ready, getting ready for work or whatever right. I have to do. But, you know, I gradually was able to go back to it. Like, they mm-hmm. keep asking me to come back now. And I'm like, I can't get up at 4.30 yet, but I'll be there soon. Yeah. <laughs> so I just first, it, for me, it was fitting it in around other things. Mm-hmm. So if I, I also travel for work, so because I sell software, so I have to go see my customers yeah. in many different states and locations and stuff like that. I never travel without workout clothes, whether yeah. it's just running shoes and something to work out inside. I absolutely hate treadmills. So I try <laughs> to just explore the neighborhood, whether it's safe or not. I don't care. I just yeah. try to do something around the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did laps in a parking lot in West Virginia last month, last month, March before my surgery. Yeah. I had to go to West Virginia and I did laps in a parking lot because there was nowhere to run. So I just did laps in the parking lot by the hotel and it, it was two miles. It was good enough. Right. So, but right. It, it helps me not only with um, being able to handle the day that's coming up, right. um, but also just to feel better all day. The fatigue I wake up with sometimes from all of the cancer stuff I've gone through mm-hmm. goes away after I exercise. Right. Yeah. So, so many people think, oh, I'm too tired. I can't exercise, not realizing that the exercise will actually increase your energy levels yes. throughout the day. Yeah. And yep. not take away. <laughs> I, right. Well, I, and we should say if you're doing the right exercise, right? <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. If you're doing yeah. the right things for sure. Yeah. And if, if you're being a good girl and following a training plan for running a race or whatever, I tend right. to, I tend to not follow those very well and lightly just because of what I've been through the last <laughs> yeah. year. Or so I need to get better about paying attention because MIT has great plans for us. It's yeah. just uh, with what life has been, I, right. you know, I, I don't know, I've been off on that, but I still, if I can't get it in in the morning uh-huh. or if it's cold, because I'm yeah. sorry, I don't like cold rain runs. No, either. no. <laughs> and, and there's no extra credit and you're not getting paid for it. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's my theory now, you know, the older I get, I'm like, no, nope, nobody's paying me to do this. This does not bring yeah. a smile to my face. <laughs> right. But I find that I will go after yeah. work because there's yeah. also that workday sludge you have to run mm-hmm. off. I mean, right. I some. I'm being in sales. It's stressful when you're not making your numbers or you've got, yeah. you know, a lot of projects and you can't yeah. get them all done. And, you know, there's yeah. just, 
a lot of reasons to go out and run. I've run in at lunchtime before because yeah. you know I've worked remote since 2011, technically. Oh, okay. So well, you're ahead with, of the game. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I was. I also very much so because like I, I worked for IBM at the time. They just bought my company, okay. and they came to us all and said, "You do not work in an office. You're in sales." So we had to go home and I kind of fought it at first and worked on a craft desk that was like, you know, super small (laughs) and like stared at a wall. And now we turned one of our room bedrooms into an office for me, like seven years ago, six years ago now. And I love it. Like coming in here is my sanctuary. Yeah. And so, but it definitely like a lot of flexibility from that perspective. I'm lucky and we don't have children. So there is a lot of flexibility different for me, mm-hmm. but I do have dogs. Then yeah. I have to act, factor that in and take right. in their training and do their, yeah. so I fit it in when I can. Yeah. And um, it sometimes looks like a parking lot run. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so that, I think that's the important message that you just said right there. There are two things from that. Number one, a parking lot run, right? Wherever. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what you had to use that day. And so yeah. you used it to your advantage. So maybe it's not a parking lot. Maybe it's your hotel room, whatever it is, right? Yeah, the other thing absolutely. you said was it was two miles. So when people get stuck on this, um, you know, I need an hour or I need, um, you know, some grandiose amount of time. No, you went and you did two miles, which yeah. guess what was more than zero miles and yeah. gave you what you needed for that day. So the idea is that, like you said, you fit it in and it doesn't have to be huge. It's just something is always better than nothing. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be if a training plan says you've got to run five miles that day. And Mm -hmm. okay, that might look like two today. And maybe if you have time at two in the morning and maybe you have time for three more later, if you don't, too bad. You can do right. it again. Like right. it's, it's always the way that my, I've been raised with my training plans. I say raised yes. is that it's the cumulative. It's not uh-huh. the daily. Like right. it's your end of the week. You should have had 17 miles. Get in 17 miles, whatever way you need to get them in. Right. Right. And, and, uh-huh. and that works towards whatever it is, your choice exercise or movement yeah. happens to be. Right. You know, it, it's yeah. what can you do today? No matter how small you might think that is, it's it's exactly that. It's the cumulative effect. And the more you do it throughout the yeah. years, right, the yeah. greater the reward. Absolutely. I mean, I could never have gotten this many races in and done if I hadn't tried to make the time for it. So. Right. Right. And it, it, you get it's very interesting, too. Like, I remember doing a 10 mile run on a Wednesday morning before a meeting I had. Mm-hmm. Cannot tell you what time I started. Um, and when I saw the person, she was someone else who was into running and fitness. And I was like, oh, I ran 10 miles this morning. She was like, girl, let me buy you the coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just here to hang and we're here to talk. But and I wasn't going to buy you coffee, but now I need to buy you coffee. She was like, how the heck? And this was an 88 or an 830 a.m. meeting. Yeah. And it blew her away that I was out there that early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it it comes down to making a promise to yourself about your health, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm making this promise that I am going to keep myself healthy. And what that looks like each day is different, right? Absolutely. I agree with that. At the end of the day, I'm going to keep that promise to myself, just like I would keep a promise to any other person that I make a promise to. Right. I exactly. And I, 
I have always had the motivation, not only of my, my father and his illness, but Mm -hmm. of not being my mom later. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm proud of her now. I mean, I'm still proud of her. You know, you're always proud of your parents, but my mom has like, when I, she was here actually helping me through my last surgery. She came Mm -hmm. for both surgeries, but looking at her, she had lost about 20 pounds since last time I saw her. So she's Mm -hmm. like, she's working on herself. And Mm -hmm. I love that she's doing that in her retirement. She's going for a walk and she's getting ready. You know, she's going to Iceland with one of her girlfriends, like for, for 10 days, I think it is uh, coming Mm -hmm. up in about two, two or three weeks. And I, I'm proud of her because it's not what she's used to. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like it's not how she, I don't think, I don't know anything about how her mom was and if she had time to exercise or any of that stuff, but where it's all learned our family life and the way we go, it's learned. And Mm -hmm. if you can change it and be different, then it, it definitely makes a, I don't know. I'm just a happier person because of it. Right. Right. And preparing your body to do the things as you age. Yes. You know, you want to run. So if you want to run, you've got to prepare your body. Yeah. To be able to continue to run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, after this surgery recovery, I'll be able to get back into some of the strength training and rebuild, Mm -hmm. rebuilding and building and continue to build muscles. Cause that, that's one of the biggest things that, um, this breast cancer does too, unfortunately, like I, went into automatic menopause after my oophorectomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took about a month to see some of those side effects, but I, my bone density, when they did uh-huh. the original screen, they were like, you've got a beautiful spine and everything looks great. And I want to keep hearing that. Right. So right. Um, I've been working, I've definitely like literally itching to be able to lift a weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not allowed to do any of it yet. So yeah, all in time with patience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I don't have much of that. Um, and that one of the other things that's important too, like with the radiation, um, mm-hmm. with the permission of my doctor from my radiation oncologist and his team, they were totally fine with me running the Columbus half marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the radiation, um, I don't know if they're called technicians. I think they're technicians. I'm not sure. But one of the women that helped uh, helped me through that process was out on the course watching for her son's girlfriend or fiance or something like that. So she was watching for me too. And she told me after I came back with, and I didn't bring the medal. I should have pro- probably brought my medal in and shown them. But um, I, she told me when I came back that she had said to an, another passerby that she was looking not only for her uh, fiance, son's fiance, but for one of her patients. And she's like, current patients? And <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's a current patient. So I had seven treatments in when I ran that race. Yeah. Um, I was still, I felt pretty good. I actually am one of the lucky ones because I had barely any side effects from the radiation other than um, some skin tight tightening afterwards. So yeah, I was pretty lucky. Yeah. That's good to hear. And it's amazing yeah. that you were able to run a half marathon. And I, I do want to note that you yes. ran it in 230. Yet yes. your first one that you did in 2009, when you did not have this cancer diagnosis yet, diagnosis yet was 315. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, and, I mean, that's amazing too. Yeah. And I, broke two, <laughs> I, I have broken two. So yeah. it's been a while since I did that. And I, I would love to do it again, but I'm not going to force it. Right. I have just, I like, I, I feel so different now, now that I've been through all of this, as far as like, you know, you establish goals, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, run sub two, you know, whatever. Right. And now I'm more like, I'm just going to run for fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happens, yeah. happens while I'm out there and I'm going to be smiling better the whole time. Those race pictures, man, I always miss the cameraman. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. You got to find him and put your fake smile, yes, <laughs> even exactly. though you're suffering. <laughs> I'm always so bad. Look at me. Don't I look so happy doing this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, That's but important. now you will, now you will look run with joy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Cause there's, it's just, I, I, unfortunately through this process, I've met more women. I always call it my club. There's a club now and there's just more women that are joining it. Yeah. And I, that that's hard. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it's nice to have support mm-hmm. and we support each other all in different ways. So right. anything right. I can do to help people, I've been really ever since actually, since diagnosis, I really have, there's been, there was someone else that I've been supporting since that got diagnosed right around the same time as I did. That was in our group. So oh, we're wow. similar paths, but her yeah. everybody's diagnoses are different. So mm-hmm. I was lucky enough that I'm pretty much done at this point. Oh, um, good. Yeah. And she's got a few more months. So yeah. it's, but it's fun to be able to, it's not fun. I should say it's good to be able to support each other. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And it's nice to know that there is support, but I mean, I think that goes back to the fact, um, you know, as I said in the introduction, that one in eight will be diagnosed. So the likelihood that you are going to know somebody or you yourself is is high. So that's why yeah. I am glad you joined me today to share your message. Looking for a fitness program that fits into your busy schedule? Look no further than Strong for Life Light. Our brand new program offers whole workouts every month that you can do from the comfort of your own home. No need to worry about missing classes or juggling gym time with family time. Join Strong for Life Light today and get on track to a healthier you. Now back to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. Yeah, and unfortunately, I heard recently that it's becoming slowly one in six. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a little bit more scary. One of the things like throughout the, the way that your treatment is handled um, at Ohio Health, and I'm sure other com- other health systems do it. You have a patient navigator, and I've talked to her about that. Yeah. And a couple of the things she has said is she's seeing more and more in the 30s. Um, and more, and I, I can't say it enough if you think something's wrong. Yeah. Push for the yeah. appointments. They tend, I, I have somebody, I can't remember if the person, I'm pretty sure the person was benign. But she had a lump and the doctor kept saying, oh, it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. But that peace of mind to know right. even that it might just be dense breast tissue you're right. feeling. It doesn't matter. Oh, don't don't be dismissed because yeah. I feel so often, too, we are often dismissed. Yes. Um, you know, and and if you feel in your gut that something isn't right, whatever mm-hmm. it is, whether it's breast cancer or, or whatever health thing you are going through. Don't be dismissed because yes. as you said, Lori, we know our bodies best. And so if something is bothering you and your doctor isn't listening, go somewhere else, find somebody that will listen to you because you know, your body best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I said it when I was talking about my diagnosis, I knew mm-hmm. I just had a feeling and right. it, it's been almost surreal to have had the feeling come true, but right. I don't, I, I, this, you're going to think I'm nuts when I say the next thing, but given having four grandparents, I, I thought I would have cancer. I I really, that was part of the reason why I fundraised so much Mm -hmm. is because they all had it. 
Mm-hmm. I have been, I didn't mention I've been genetically tested. I am negative for all the, the genes and all that stuff. So I'm very lucky from that okay. perspective. Okay. Um, and cancer has skipped my parents' generation. Yeah. Um, so far. And even like um, both my, my parents both had one sibling and both siblings have okay. not had it either. So, <laughs> but unfortunately both my sister and I have had cancer. So my sister had thyroid uh, 11 years ago now. Okay. Um, but you know, she's in remission. She's doing great, even mm-hmm. though she lost her thi- thyroid, but it's just interesting. Like it skips yeah. a generation sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, and they have, I think they mentioned to me during my genetic testing, I'm pretty sure they told me that paternal and maternal, that doesn't matter anymore. Interesting. It's genetic information that is being more reviewed and seen. Okay. So. And, and I will say that, um, you know, I was just at the doctor about a month ago and they did offer, um, genetic testing. And, um, I did take them up on it because, you know, if you have anything in your family, it's, I would say, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's fascinating going through that process. If you've Mm -hmm. been through it, then, you know, like it's interesting because when I sat down with my genetic counselor, he Uh was like, we were mapping back and I have a smaller family Mm -hmm. set. So I was able to give him smaller information, but he was like, if you have it, my, if you have this gene, I think you got it from your dad. If oh, okay. this comes back as a positive test. And his theory was that his, my dad's mom had breast cancer mm-hmm. um, and was a over 30 year survivor. She was 65 first mammogram. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And she survived <laughs> 30 years. It took tamoxifen at some point. Uh-huh. All of it is hazy because that generation doesn't tell you all the stories, but right. Yeah. And then yeah. my grandfather actually battled prostate twice. Um, so in his, when he died on the day after his 90th birthday, so like he was fighting prostate at that point again. Um, so his thought process was, if you have this gene, it's going to come from your dad. So it's like super fantastic, like fascinating to me that this research Uh is out there. This is the research we're going back to Pelotonia, but that's the research we fund with stuff like Pelotonia, other Mm -hmm. cancer research. It's amazing to me how much, and I am experiencing things that didn't exist. Like when my grandmother was diagnosed, um, they do testing now to tell you whether you're hormone positive, hormone negative, as far as those two things. Like, Mm -hmm. so that's how we have people we know are triple negative or um, triple positive. Or Mm -hmm. in my case, I was double positive. So hormone ER and PR positive, but HER2 negative and Mm -hmm. HER2 negative is a really good diagnosis. Okay. Um, So it actually saved you from some kinds of treatment. I was very lucky to be able to skip chemo because of that. And then oncotyping is done as well. And there's two different categories for oncotyping based on premenopause patients and postmenopause patients. Premenopause has more categories. Okay. Uh, there are two, I think it's like 20 and under, if I remember the exact numbers right, it's 20 and under that normally don't indicate chemotherapy. And it's the, like the certain range after that that do. Because okay. the outcome of chemotherapy isn't always the best. Right. It's not going to do you like the side effects from chemo is not going to help you that much yeah. if your oncotype score is lower. And mine was lower. So that's why I was able to decline it. Okay. Um, and then postmenopause, I don't know as much about that, right. thankfully, because I was yeah. younger, unfortunately, <laughs> younger side. But, uh, but that research didn't exist when my grandmother had breast cancer. So the response back then was, I might... I go back and forth because as a kid, I was told she had a single mastectomy, but as an adult, I've been told she had a double. 
Okay. So she went ahead with her mastectomy and reconstruction. Um, and the one thing she complained about, this is different kind of research, but one thing she complained about to me once as an adult, she told yeah. me about her cancer. She hadn't. Um, and then she talked about, um, I never found a bra that fit me right. And now there's companies that do that. Yeah. Like there's, and that's one of the nicest things like health insurances cover right. bras for mastectomy patients for the rest of their lives. Oh, wow. Now. I, my, I just found that out through over my head boutique at the thing. And I went and got fitted for bras last week and I have bras more. I'm going to have more bras now than <laughs> I used to buy for myself before. Cause I focused on sports bras rather right. than everyday bras. So, yeah. but you see like not just research is coming along, fashion is coming on right. and uh, paying attention to what women need and helping us with the things we need. I, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of resources I haven't found yet. Right. But these are just some of the things like the difference between what my grandmother went through and what I've been allowed to go through or helped with. It's right. just such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. But and it makes and, me sad that she never had a right bra. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but as you mentioned, the research component has come such a long way, which is why it's important that we do support these um, areas who are trying to fund yes. new research. Yes. And one of the things I, I I like sharing with people too, I don't like the word survivor necessarily because with breast cancer, there's always that chance of recurrence. So mm -hmm. they, they will be checking you for a certain number of years. Like my yeah. friends start uh, uh, the cancer survivor support group here in Columbus, um, cancer support survivorship. Mm -hmm. They consider you or the day you're diagnosed, but I, I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. But one of the terms that I like from um, Pelotonia actually is they call it living proof. Mm -hmm. Because living proof shows that our research is working when we're yeah. there, we're survivors, we're there, we're riding in the race. So it's, that's one of the things that I just, I don't know, it's interesting. Everyone has their different things, but yeah. I had a really hard time because my two friends that I started training with for Pelotonia four years ago or three years ago, where it's like, oh, you're a survivor already. And people were writing me on the wall at Pelotonia in August. And I'm going, no, not yet. Cause I haven't started yet. I was yeah. like, you know, it was it's a different journey for everyone, but I right. that was my that was the thing that was the hardest. Yeah, is changing the vernacular for myself. Yeah, so I say thriver. I think I like that's that. It. Yeah, because I am definitely thriving at this point. Yeah. I've been told by several people that the spark is back, and I'm like, I didn't know it went away, but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it was but, just a little dimmer, right? Right, exactly. Sure which happens to everybody. Is, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, Lori, I would like to include your, um, your Pelotonia, uh, link. So yes. I will post that when the podcast posts and anybody interested in donating towards Lori's Pelotonia can do so through the link. Um, and mm -hmm. is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I think we talked about everything I was thinking about. I'm excited to like maybe meet again in a year and yeah. see how things have gone. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah do an so. update. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, good. Well, we will be cheering for you as you ride Pelotonia and as you finish your um, half marathons this year. Thank you. <laughs> and getting in at least two, correct? Or is it three? Yeah. I'm already scheduled for two because one was a deferral from okay. um, 2022, Okay, uh, which is actually, my mom lives in New Hampshire and it's in her town. And I had invited one of my friends to go with me to do That's it. Fun. So Thankfully, my friend was okay. Hey, it's okay if we just defer it. So that one's after Columbus. 
Okay. So I'll I actually have a really busy October because we are doing <laughs> I'm doing Columbus marathon a half marathon, okay. and then my husband and I are going to Amsterdam and Paris oh. at the end of October for our 25th wedding anniversary, and then when I get back, I'll have to go to New Hampshire for the race. So it should be fun. Good. And the only way you're able to do is because you have taken your health under control. Yes. And focused on staying healthy. Yeah, and being more healthy than ever. And yeah. I'm very early stages um, talking to a functional wellness doctor as well and working right. through the functional wellness aspect of it. So I'm still learning that. So I don't like to yeah. share a lot yet because yeah. I'm like, I don't know enough, right. but I am yeah. working with um, an excellent doctor in that area yeah. and found out a lot of stuff. I thought one of the follow-on medications I have to take for 10 years as an aromatase inhibitor. I thought it was causing my problems, but my own body was causing my problems oh, wow. too. So yeah. between the two things, mm -hmm. we're going to address all of that with supplements and I'm still working through exactly what that looks like. But yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to have that aspect of medicine as well, because we yes. know that the, the, you know, the modern medicine was great in getting you through your treatments. Um, right. But the functional side is also very important and has a lot to offer in keeping you healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I've learned so much in the last few months. I didn't yeah. even realize. So yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. excited for that part of the journey too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Lori. And we will check back for an update and we appreciate your time and appreciate you joining us today on the Fit News Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and I'm on a continuing mission to help you stay strong, healthy, and happy. A special thank you to our producer, Noah Martin, and Retrospection Multimedia. Tune in to the Fit News Podcast every Monday to get your tips for living your best midlife. These episodes are live streamed weekly in our Facebook group. Be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to Fit News Podcast for your weekly health advice. To join the Facebook group, visit strongforlifefitness.com.